Section 12 of Seeking a Human Space Flight Program Worthy of a Great Nation. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Seeking a Human Space Flight Program Worthy of a Great Nation by the Review of U.S. Human Space Flight Plans Committee. Chapter 5.0 Launch to Low Earth Orbit and Beyond, Part 2. 5.3. Crew Launch to Low Earth Orbit Among the most safety-critical aspects of human spaceflight is the delivery and return of crew to and from low Earth orbit. The fourth key question examined by the committee is, how should U.S. crew be transported to low Earth orbit? There are two choices for transporting U.S. crews to and from low-Earth orbit that emerged from the work of the committee. A government provided an operated system and a commercially provided crew delivery service. This discussion assumes that the Orion vehicle will be the primary U.S. capsule for crew transportation beyond low-Earth orbit and re-entry into Earth's atmosphere upon return from these voyages. 5.3.1 Ares-1 plus Orion, government-provided crew to low-Earth orbit. The current NASA plan for crew transport to low-Earth orbit, comprising the Ares-1 launch vehicle and the Orion crew capsule, was selected in 2005 as part of the ESAS study based in part on the anticipated availability and projected crew safety considerations of the Ares-1 and Orion. At the time of ESAS, estimates showed that Ares-1 and Orion would be available for crew transport service to the International Space Station by 2012. The date projected by the Constellation program is now 2015. As the plan evolved after 2005, the Ares-1 developed increasing commonality with the Ares-5, providing architectural synergy and reducing development costs of the family. Ares-1 The Ares-1 launch vehicle currently consists of a single five-segment solid rocket booster as the first stage and a liquid-fueled upper stage, see figure 5.3.1-1. The five-segment SRB is a modification to the existing space shuttle SRBs. The upper stage uses liquid oxygen and liquid hydrogen as propellants with a single J-2X rocket engine. The J-2X rocket engine is a modification of the J-2 engine used on the Saturn V program. In its selection of a crew launch system, ESAS correctly placed a very high premium on crew safety, and the Ares-1 was selected because of its potential delivering at least ten times the level of crew safety as the current shuttle. The launch vehicle configuration is one that best allows for crew escape in the event of a launch failure. The capsule is mounted at the top of the stack and has an independent launch escape system. The track record of demonstrated high reliability of the SRB suggests a low likelihood of first-stage failure on ascent. Under the budget profile NASA leadership anticipated in 2005, 
Estimates showed that the Aries I could be developed by the early to mid part of the decade, and the Aries V could be developed by the late 2010s. It was thought that the Aries I would have a lower operating cost when visiting the International Space Station than other alternatives, and would produce a lower operating cost of the entire system when joint operations of the Aries I and Aries V were begun. Additionally, the development approach of engaging many NASA employees in the design and testing of the Ares one would allow the NASA workforce, which has not developed a new rocket for over 20 years, to gain experience on the relatively simpler Ares one rocket before beginning the development of the more complex Ares V. 5. 5.3.2 Alternatives to Government-Provided Crew Access to Low Earth Orbit The Committee considered several alternatives to Ares one and Orion, including a longer-term reliance on international, currently Russian, crew transport services, the human rating of an existing EELV for launching the Orion, the development of commercial crew transport services, the use of a heavy-lift vehicle to launch the Orion. While the Committee found interim reliance on international crew transport services acceptable, it also found that an important part of sustained U.S. leadership in space is the operation of our own domestic crew launch capability, this closed out the first alternative. The committee next examined a NASA-commissioned study by the Aerospace Corporation on the feasibility and cost of human rating an EELV, the Delta IV Heavy, for use as the launcher for Orion. Delta IV HLV The Delta IV Heavy Launch Vehicle consists of two liquid-fueled strap-on boosters a liquid-fueled first stage, and a liquid-fueled upper stage. The two strap-ons and the core stage are very similar, and use liquid oxygen and liquid hydrogen as propellants, and a single RS-68 family rocket engine on each of the three stages. The independent study found that launch of Orion to low Earth orbit did not require an upper stage, as the spacecraft could provide the necessary impulse. The Delta IV HLV is a variant of one of the EELVs that has launched successfully many times. While launch of the Orion on the Delta IV HLV was found to be technically feasible, it requires some modification of the current launcher, and was comparable in cost and schedule to simply continuing with the development of the Ares I. When the committee factored in the carrying cost of the NASA infrastructure that would be maintained if any NASA Heritage Heavy Launcher would eventually be developed, Ares V in any variant or a more directly shuttle-derived heavy launcher, any cost savings that might have occurred due to using an EELV to launch the Orion were lost. Using the EELV for launch of Orion would only make sense if it were coupled with the development of an EELV Heritage Super Heavy Vehicle for cargo launch. Except in this case, this analysis closed out the second option. 5.3.3 Commercial Services to Transport Crew to Low Earth Orbit 
Having eliminated the long-term international supply option and the EELV option for all but the EELV Heritage Super Heavy Choice for Heavy Lift, the remaining possible choices besides Ares 1 were to utilize commercial crew services or use the heavy lift vehicle as a crew launcher. As the nation moves from the complex reusable shuttle back to a simpler smaller capsule, it is an appropriate time to consider turning this transport function over to the commercial sector. There is broad policy support for this approach, from both congressional legislation and presidential policy, see Figure 3, and one of the four main charges given to the Committee by the Office of Science and Technology Policy in its statement of task was to stimulate commercial spaceflight capability. This section considers the technical feasibility of a commercial service, safety issues, financial implications, programmatic risks, and acquisition strategy. Technical Feasibility of Commercial Transport Services for Crew The Committee examined the technical feasibility of utilizing a commercial service to transport crew to low Earth orbit. First, it is a statement of fact that all of the U.S. crew launch systems built to date have been built by industry for NASA. The system under contemplation is not much more complex than a modern Gemini, which was built by U.S. industry over 40 years ago. It would consist of a three- or four-person crew taxi launched on a rocket with a launch escape system. It would have an on-orbit life independent of the International Space Station of only weeks, but potentially be storable at the International Space Station for months. Such a vehicle would re-enter the Earth's atmosphere from the speed of orbital flight rather than the significantly higher speed for which Orion is designed. Its smaller size makes possible the option of landing on land, potentially reducing operations cost when compared to a sea landing. Recently, several aerospace companies began developing new rockets and on-orbit vehicles as part of the commercial cargo delivery program. Several other U.S. companies are contemplating orbital passenger flight. There is little doubt that the U.S. aerospace industry, from historical builders of human spacecraft to the new entrants, has the technical capability to build and operate a crew taxi to low Earth orbit. NASA's Role in Safety and Mission Assurance The committee treated the safety of crew vehicles as the sine qua non of the human spaceflight program and would not suggest that a commercial service be provided for transportation of NASA crew if NASA could not be convinced that it was substantially safe. The critical question is, can a simple capsule with a launch escape system operating on a high-reliability liquid booster be made safer than the shuttle and comparatively as safe as Ares-1 plus Orion? An important part of this analysis rests on the reliability of the launcher. Thus, commercial crew launchers based on high-reliability vehicles that already have significant flight heritage or will develop flight experience soon, would be more obvious candidates as a crew launcher. Ares-1 has a heritage that traces to the use of the SRBs on the shuttle. 
but other potential crew launchers can also trace their lineage to significant flight heritage. Given the history of human spaceflight, putting commercial crew transport to space in the critical path of any scenario represents a major shift in policy. As will be discussed in Section 5.4.2, the Committee reviewed convincing evidence of the value of independent oversight in the mission assurance of launchers, and would envision a strong NASA oversight role in assuring commercial vehicle safety. The challenge of developing a safe and reliable commercial capability for crew transport will require devoting government funds to buy down a significant amount of the existing uncertainty. Whatever the particulars of this risk removal process, it will take an appreciable period of time and require the application of thorough, independent mission assurance practices. A critical aspect of this exercise will be confirming the root cause and adequacy of correction of any failures or anomalies encountered in the development test program. Thus, the Committee views any commercial program of crew transport to the International Space Station as involving a strong, independent mission assurance role for NASA. The Committee identified elements of a plan that would lead to the creation of a commercial service for crew transport, building on NASA incentives and guarantees. This included an assessment of the financial aspects and benefits of commercial crew services, the programmatic risks of relying on commercial crew services, and potential mitigation strategies, and an approach to engaging the commercial community in this program. Financial Aspects of the Commercial Crew Services The Committee engaged in a two-step process for assessing the potential financial benefit of commercial services for crew transport. This involved both estimating the cost to develop and operate the system, and then determining what fraction of this cost NASA would likely have to provide as an incentive to industry to enter into this venture. During its fact-finding process, the Committee received proprietary information from five different companies interested in the provision of commercial crew transportation services to low-Earth orbit. These included large and small companies, some of which have previously developed crew systems for NASA. The Committee also received input from prospective customers, stating that there is a market for commercial crew transportation to low-Earth orbit for non-NASA purposes, if the price is low enough and safety robust enough, and from prospective providers stating that it is technically possible to provide a commercially viable price on a marginal cost basis given a developed system. None of the input suggested that at the price obtainable for a capsule-plus expendable launch vehicle system, the market was sufficient to provide a return on the investment of the initial capsule development. In other words, if a capsule is developed that meets commercial needs, there will be customers to share operating costs with NASA. But unless NASA creates significant incentives for the development of the capsule, the service is unlikely to be developed on a purely commercial basis. The committee then estimated the cost to NASA of creating an incentive for industry to develop the commercial transport capability for crew. This would probably be a significant fraction, but not the entirety of the cost of such a development. 
given a properly structured procurement estimates the committee received from potential providers for the price of reaching initial demonstration flight of a crew taxi capsule ranged from three hundred million dollars to one point five billion dollars for estimating purposes the committee assumed that three contracts were initiated and one competitor subsequently dropped out suggesting an expected cost to nasa of between two billion dollars and two point five billion dollars in addition the committee believes that if a commercial crew program is pursued nasa should make available to bidders a suitable version of an existing booster with a demonstrated track record of successful flight adding to the program cost the best preliminary estimate of the committee was about a three billion dollar program for the fraction of the design development test and evaluation effort that would be borne by nasa after multiplying by the historical growth factors and other multipliers associated with sixty five per cent confidence estimating as will be discussed in section six point three the cost carried in the committee's final estimate of the cost of the program to nasa is about five billion dollars comparing the scope of providing a commercial crew capability to the cost of historical programs offers a sanity check in the existing cots ac contracts two commercial suppliers have received or invested about four hundred to five hundred million dollars for the development of a new launch vehicle an unmanned spacecraft gemini is the closest historical program in scope to the envisioned commercial crew taxi in about four years in the early to mid nineteen sixties nasa and industry human rated the titan ii which required thirty nine months and designed and tested a capsule in gdp inflator corrected two thousand nine dollars the design development test and evaluation cost of this program was about two point five to three billion dollars depending on the accounting for test flights these two comparatives tend to support the estimate that the program can be viable with a five billion dollar stimulus from nasa the committee considered several other factors that would support this estimate of the incentive cost to nasa if this is to be a commercial venture at least some commercial capital must be at risk alternate sources of capital including private and corporate investment would be expected next the committee considered the cost associated with the development of a relatively simpler launcher and capsule designed only as a low earth orbit crew taxi in comparison with those associated with the far more capable ares one and orion additionally the committee heard many argue that economic efficiencies could be found by striking a better balance between the legitimate need for a nasa quality assurance and safety process on one hand and allowing industry to execute design and development efficiently on the other significantly the committee considered the fact that some development costs and a larger fraction of operating costs of a commercial crew service to low earth orbit could be amortized over other markets and customers this is more obvious for the launcher which potentially could also be used for the existing markets of international space station cargo to low earth orbit science and national security space satellite missions and commercial satellite launches 
in the future the commercial booster used for crew might also launch fuel to low earth orbit for in-space refueling and it might carry additional non-nasa crew flights the non-nasa markets and customers for the capsule are less easily quantified it is possible that other governments would procure crew launch to international space station from a u.s commercial provider and that private travel to low earth orbit could be more common by the latter part of the decade note that if there were only one non-nasa flight of this system per year it would reduce the nasa share of the fixed recurring cost by thirty three percent it was estimated by the committee that under the less constrained budget to be discussed in chapter six the commercial crew launch service could be in place by twenty sixteen estimates from providers ranged from three years to five years from the present assuming a year for program realignment this would produce a start in early fiscal year twenty eleven using the upper end of the estimated range a capability in twenty sixteen could be estimated with reasonable confidence programmatic risks of commercial crew to low earth orbit and potential mitigations the committee recognizes that the development of commercial services to transport crew come with significant programmatic risks among these are that the development of this capability will distract current potential providers from the near-term goal of successfully developing commercial cargo capability second the commercial community may fail to deliver a crew capability in mid-program and the task would revert to nasa this could be caused by either a technical failure or a business failure a failure to obtain financing changes in markets or key suppliers realignment of business priorities or another non-technical reason either type of failure would require nasa intervention and the possibility that nasa would either have to operate the system or fall back to an alternative while there are many potential benefits of commercial services that transport crew to low earth orbit there are simply too many risks at the present time not to have a viable fallback option for risk mitigation the committee contemplated several alternatives including continuing to rely on international providers likely available but not consistent with the long-term need for u s access as part of its leadership in space and continuing the ares one program in parallel prohibitive in terms of cost the committee also considered the possibility of putting the ares one program on warm hold ready for a possible restart while continuing the development of the five segment srb and the j2x which are common to the Ares five in the end the committee thought that the most cost-effective fallback option that would move nasa most rapidly toward exploration is to continue to develop the orion and move as quickly as possible to the development of a human rateable heavy lift vehicle see the discussion in section five point three point four on human rating the first stage of any of the heavy-lift launchers under consideration would be more than capable of launching an Orion to low-Earth orbit. 
in the best case the heavy lift vehicles themselves would not be available until the beginning of the twenty twenties but the first stage or core could be accelerated perhaps by a year or two in this case the core heavy human rated launcher would arrive only a few years later than an ares one under the less constrained budget scenarios the details of the preferred fallback option are best left to nasa but the question is clear assume that emphasis will be placed on building the heavy lifter as quickly as possible and assume that commercial services for crew transportation to low earth orbit will be started in development and may fail to materialize what variant of the heavy launcher can be identified that could be developed quickly and at small marginal cost in the future if needed to transport orion and crew to low earth orbit a desirable feature is that the preparation for the development of this variant would have the minimum impact on the construction of the heavy lift vehicle itself engaging the commercial community in crew transport services the potential providers of capsules emphasized that the nature of the acquisition of these services is critical to be commercially viable low operating cost is essential and to obtain that cost the requirements for the capsule need to be as few as is essential and stable several providers gave anecdotal examples where nasa programs suffered from significant requirement creep and emphasized the need for a more commercial-type procurement, where any changes to work scope would be matters for mutual negotiation rather than one-sided impositions by NASA. The committee envisions a new competition for this service, in which both large and small companies are invited to participate. Several potential providers should be funded through some initial development milestones measuring tangible progress and incrementally incentivized. It is crucial to the success of the program that multiple providers be carried through to operational service. It is the pressure of competition that provides the drive for low operating cost. Assurances of a market would need to be offered by the government by creating a third market for commercial launch services cargo to international space station fuel to low earth orbit and crew to low earth orbit it is possible that the efficiencies associated with increased production runs and more frequent operations will appear five point three point four human rating of launchers the history of human rating U.S. launch vehicles can be traced to the Atlas and ICBM Titan usage in the Mercury and Gemini programs. The purpose of human rating was and is to assure that safety levels are appropriate for human flight. Crew safety was addressed in these earlier programs primarily by adding a crew escape system. The reliability of these launch vehicles was addressed by eliminating known design weaknesses, adding redundancies, providing fault detection systems to initiate crew escape, and tightening requirements for manufacturing, assembly, systems test, and checkout at launch sites. The process of human rating launch vehicles is central to the viability of commercial service for crew transport as well as the option of using the heavy launcher as a backup. 
the committee found a progressive new approach to human rating at NASA, reflected in the current human rating guidelines, NASA Procedural Requirement 8705.2b. These guidelines, applicable to newly developed NASA vehicles, provide for intelligent application of similar and dissimilar redundancy when called for, and appropriate approaches to single-string design when unavoidable. In addition, there is a general set of guidelines, NPR 8715.3, that currently would be applied to NASA personnel operating in non-NASA vehicles. In view of the complexity and cost of retroactively human rating a vehicle, comparable to a significant fraction of the original cost to develop the vehicle, the committee suggests that all new NASA-developed vehicles, including heavy-lift launchers, be designed so that they are human-ratable. That is, they could reasonably be human-rated at some point in the future. This is a compromise between human-rating them at inception and not human-rating them at all. It preserves the option to human-rate in the future at lower cost. NASA would benefit from this approach so that it could use its heavy-lift launcher as a backup crew vehicle with Orion should the commercial providers fail to deliver for any combination of business and or technical reasons. Additionally, the criticality of cargo launched on the heavy-lift vehicle would suggest that NASA institute quality control and requirements comparable to human rating guidelines in any event. Findings on Crew Launch to Low Earth Orbit Note, a finding on the Ares-1 is presented in Chapter 4. End note. The Need for Independent U.S. Human Access to Space In the long run, it is important for the U.S. to maintain independent access to low Earth orbit for its crews. In the future, this might be provided by government, commercial providers, or a combination of the two. Commercial Launch of Crew to Low Earth Orbit Commercial services to deliver crew to low Earth orbit are within reach. While this presents some risk, it would provide an earlier capability at lower initial and life cycle costs than government could achieve. A new competition with adequate incentives should be open to all U.S. aerospace companies. This would allow NASA to focus on more challenging roles, including human exploration beyond low Earth orbit, based on the continued development of the current or modified Orion spacecraft. Human Rating of Launch Vehicles NASA has recently adopted a new, more outcome-based standard for human rating space systems, and has in its policy a more flexible approach for human rating existing or new third-party systems. NASA would be well served by applying these policies to field a set of safe yet efficient capabilities, including the provision that all newly developed government-funded launch vehicles be readily human-rateable. In this way, if plans change in the future, for example, if the commercial capability of crew transport to low Earth orbit fails to materialize, NASA would have a backup means of launching crew on heavy-lift vehicles. Safety Human space exploration is an inherently risky endeavor, 
NASA should continue to make every reasonable effort to reduce the risks of spaceflight. Design for safety should be the prime, but not only, criterion in the development of systems and operations. 5.4. Additional Issues in Launcher Selection 5.4.1. Launch Vehicle Performance and Costing In evaluating the systems described in this chapter, the committee noted that each has avid proponents, and as such the claimed cost, schedule, and performance parameters include varying degrees of aggressiveness. Some of these estimates are close to or within the spread of historical programs, while others are well outside historical bounds. The latter could, of course, be attributed to fresh new approaches that make the historical databases inapplicable, or they could be attributable to unwarranted optimism. The analysis techniques employed in the assessment sought to differentiate between the two. The only large potential decrease to the cost of space transportation, absent greatly increased traffic, resides in the adoption of a new paradigm for commercially purchasing highly reliable space transportation services. This approach benefits from commercial best practices embraced by experienced providers of launch systems and new systems and processes offered by young firms. The price of shifting to commercial practices is to decrease the NASA workforce and sacrifice the expertise that has been built up at NASA over the years as the agency has directed and overseen the development of launch systems. This new strategy may eventually restore the total number of space launch workforce in terms of expertise and number of workers, but near-term reductions would be expected. The health and viability of the large solid rocket motor industrial base rests in part on the choice of future crew transport and heavy-lift cargo launch system designs, those that are all liquid obviously present the most negative impact on the SRM industrial base, and those that either launch crew with an SRM or support heavy lift with SRMs provide the most benefit to the SRM industrial base. If the choice is to pursue all liquid launch systems for both crew and cargo, there is no perceived future need for large-segmented SRMs in support of civil space activities. 5.4.2. Reliability Reliability of launchers is important to the safety of crew, and the success of missions or exploration. The U.S. history of heavy-lift launcher reliability is shown in Figure 5.4.2-1, the historical record can be separated into two classes, those intended for human spaceflight and those intended for cargo use. Saturn and the shuttle are in the former class, while the other existing vehicles considered here are in the cargo class. The most reliable U.S. heavy-lift launch vehicle built to date is the shuttle, whose launch reliability, demonstrated by flight history, and computed using the Bayesian estimation process, based on a 50% confidence level common for this type of analysis, is 98.7%. The Saturn vehicles also exhibited high reliability over their limited flight history. 
the less reliable Titan HLV only launched cargo, and the Delta 4H is limited to only three flights to date. During this examination of future space exploration launch systems, the vehicles considered included those derived from shuttle, Saturn, and Delta IV heavy heritage engines and motors, including Ares I and V and shuttle derivatives, those derived from the EELV program families of launchers, Atlas V and Delta IV, and new vehicles with limited heritage, Falcon and Taurus II. Historically, vehicles with heritage derived from prior demonstrated systems have shown greater reliability in early usage than newly developed systems. The process of converting an established cargo launcher into a human-rated launcher results in improved reliability, as was demonstrated in the early U.S. human spaceflight programs where modified ICBMs were employed as launch systems. History has shown that the early flight period is of much higher risk than would be expected later in flight history. Figure 5.4.2-2 displays flight reliability for programs managed by the U.S. government, those managed by foreign governments, and those managed by commercial providers. It should be noted that all of the U.S. vehicles have in large part been engineered and manufactured in industry, and that the so-called commercial vehicles were originally developed and produced under government Air Force contracts. Importantly, the latter began as ICBMs, and unlike the government launch vehicles category, are not human-rated. Space launch vehicles have a history of malfunctions caused by human pre-flight technical error rather than so-called random part failure or in-use operator error. This is clearly demonstrated in figure 5.4.2-3, which shows the root cause of flight malfunctions derived from all U.S. heavy lift launches to date. Included in the data are the results of process and design errors associated with the Shuttle Thermal Protection System and SRB joint gas anomalies that were observed, but were not viewed as hazardous prior to the failures of Challenger and Columbia, respectively. Although some thermal protection system anomalies continue to occur, SRB joint gas leaks, which had been a recurring problem with the large segmented solid motors, have been significantly less prevalent after the design changes following the Challenger failure. Summary There are many issues that must be carefully considered leading to the final decisions on the launch system for both heavy cargo and crew. These include, but are not limited to, the cost, schedule, and performance of the launch system, the likelihood that an increase in volume of production and operation, including by other customers, will decrease costs in the future, the impact on the present and future industrial base, the initial and ultimate reliability of the launcher, and the extent to which the heritage of the launcher influences the early operational reliability, the benefit of independent assurance in increasing the demonstrated reliability, the root cause of failures of launchers, 
and the extent to which these can be modeled and controlled by sound practices in design and processing. End of section 12. Recording by Maria Casper.